You're listening to the Unframe of Mind show, the place to have the most mind-stretching, unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life. Your hosts Daniel Wagner and Lee Mollendorf battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth, reason, and evidence over safe room walls. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Unframe of Mind show. I am so excited to be talking to my friend Trent Gander again. If you remember him from episode 19, where we talked about the uh, post-election chaos, you can kind of get a brief overview of this gentleman and what he's all about. I'm going to try not to go too much into, into his background as much, and we'll, we'll try to talk a little more today about uh, comparing the political right and left and how the right seems to underestimate the willpower, I guess, of the left and what they are willing to do to stay in power. And kind of how that's manifested over the last few months. So uh, welcome back to the show, Trent. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be back, actually. I'm glad to have you. I really am. I think we're going to um, solve the world's problems today. What do you, what do you think? All of them. Uh, it might take us till dinner, but uh, I think we can do it. <laughs> well, I got a hard stop at like 1130, so I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, so what, what, did, what did you have in mind when, when you uh, think about this idea of the left being you know being underestimated by the right what what did you have in mind specifically i had in mind specifically the the will that they have you mentioned it previously in the 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 little intro but looking at the the ideologies that permeate the left such as communism and socialism the the dark history that they have and the, the hold that they're seeming to take on the, for lack of a better term, average leftist is being ignored by the, the modern right. I think the modern right is starting to be kind of lulled to sleep and not in contact with the roots of what their stereotypical group is with the, the election of Donald Trump. Yeah, I can, I can totally see it. You notice how over the course of the past few months, um, you know, typically when you have a president come into power, to, regardless of whether it's left or right, you do see this stuff kind of slow down after a while. You know, the, the, the protesting and the, the, the kicking and screaming of the losing side. Yeah. And they kind of just accept, okay, this is, this is the president. You know, we're just going to deal with it. We'll watch him. But, you know, it is what it is. I have not seen that this time around. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems like they've doubled down on the left and if anything it's gotten worse and the tension has remained the very same as it was before yeah, yeah my my personal and moderately professional opinion of this is that if the if the left continues to escalate you have best case scenario two years worst case scenario uh december of 2017 or 2018 before you encounter a full-scale almost Civil War, guerrilla-style set of combat in the United States homeland. I hear what you're saying, and it, and it seems very uh, doomsday. The problem I guess I'm, I'm having with that is just... Uh, th- th- there, seem, there seems to be some glimmers of hope. Yeah, you're also kind of right, too, so that's kind of... <laughs> can you go into a little more detail on why, why you think that kind of timeline? The reason why I think that kind of timeline is that... We have seen, particularly with the, the attack on the GOP congressman uh, of recent, of like the only one in the last six months, and the three to four other 
attacks that have been more politically motivated on American soil uh, are, I believe, what I refer to as scouts within the within the political left's, for lack of a better term, war machine. The individuals in question may not have even known that they were scouts. They were just, unfortunately, unhinged individuals who took upon themselves to engage in violence against what they saw as the true enemy of the United States or of the cause. And from that, they create a bunch of data that both sides could analyze, such as response times, reaction from the public, reaction from the opposing side, and the success, for lack of a better term, of the attacks in general that the left is probably absolutely analyzing right now, and the right is just like, this is just another crime statistic. We're just going to ignore it. We're going to move on with our lives. So one thing that's interesting is you always see the left accusing the right of certain things, and if you follow it back, you'll notice that every time they accuse the right of something, it's because they're about to do that or they already are doing that. Like during the election, they, they kept accusing Donald Trump of this these dog whistle statements that he was making. Like he was saying things to, you know, tip his hat to the racists. Like he was, he was trying to, you know, signal to the racists through this, co- this secret code language or something like that. Then you see, like you were talking about the uh, attack on the congressman, you know, you know, the one that comes to mind is the one where they were at the baseball practice, uh, baseball field practicing, and the guy comes in and starts shooting him up. Ask, you know, he asks somebody, hey, is a, are these Republicans or Democrats practicing on the field? And they, and they tell him it's Republicans. And he goes in there and just starts going off. And it's, it's like he kind of received the dog whistle of, you know, we need to attack. <laughs> it's, it's, the same, it's the very same thing they accused Trump of. You know, their, their loyal followers are doing the same thing. I'm glad you brought that up because, or the way you brought it up was very beneficial to me because I was going to make reference. I do plan on reading the book, but I do know some of the rules that are put in it is uh, Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. One of them is accuse the opponents of what you are actually doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Rules for radicals is, <laughs> is it's, it's, uh, it's the left's game plan and they, they follow it to a T and I want I want to bring this back around to how the right underestimate that and I don't I don't think I don't think they take it as seriously as they need to and that could be one potential step in the right direction is to maybe read that book and understand what's going on that it's not just a bunch of idiots although it may seem irrational mm. I put it down to the the stereotype of the political right are white christian gun owners and uh, from my perspective, since I am an adherent of the Bible, uh, I view the Bible as, at its core, a warrior faith. And most people think of warriors, they just come in, they break stuff, and they're like kind of brutish. But if you actually look at warrior cultures and warrior systems, there's uh, a high degree of intelligence, uh, analyzing the enemy, analyzing oneself, and planning and avoiding conflicts and dangers to what you actually care about. So there's more thought and planning put into their li- the average life of a warrior than is being exhibited by, say, uh, the average conservative voter today. Now, now that's, that's funny because typically on the left, uh, majority of them or a, lot, a, gr- a large chunk of them tend to be more atheist or secular. And then you look at groups like Antifa, 
Uh, they're very militaristic in their approach. They're, <laughs> I've, I've seen training videos where they're, they're trying to train for <laughs> battle and stuff, and they've got these little suits of armor. Like, they have a, they have a uniform they wear now, and... Like everybody knows what the uniform is. It's the little, it's the little black clothing with the hood covering your face. It's it's the pepper spray. It's the you know uh, throwing <laughs> throwing random objects that you have. You know, just shit like that. Yeah, that's um, they fall within uh, they fall within the left. Definitely fall within the left uh, warrior class. They're the lower warrior class because if you actually look at the the videos of their rioting. It's uh, a controlled destruction. It's despite the fact that they're destroying everything, there have really been they haven't been using guns, they haven't been using knives, they've been using bats, bricks, possibly some incendiaries, things that aren't likely to as likely as a firearm or a knife to kill police officers and bystanders rather than just beat the pulp out of them and cause severe concussions, which could lead to death. But it's a much lower possibility, given protective gear of the police, that the, the Antifas are using. Well, and, and it doesn't uh, alarm the public as much, too. I mean, if, if, if this group comes out with guns, now all of a sudden they look like an army. And as long as they don't look like an army, they're not an army in the, in the eye of the public. Exactly. I have to, I should send you uh, an infograph you could possibly put into this if you could, which is the, the graph that shows the growth of guerrilla movements. And it's like it's not just uh, some random guy with a gun finds another random guy with a gun. They both have a political agenda or the, the same agenda, and they just keep finding more of them. It's a much larger infrastructure behind the warrior class, lack of a better term. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you been to the Antifa website and, and tried to um, basically join their ranks? <laughs> no, I, I've had other things on my mind. It, it's a process. Uh, I haven't, I haven't tried to join completely, but I started looking into it. I'm like, holy crap! Like, they, they do have quite the process for going through and and vetting out people, um, and making sure that you're not trying to infiltrate. I guess. <laughs> well, the, that brings me up to my next point: is that the political left, both uh, with social media and their overall ideals are more cohesive, they're more coordinated, and they're definitely more uh, determined to carry out their agenda than the political right is. The ideas like communism are more collective in ideals, while the conservative right and the values that this country are founded on as federalism, which is we spread the power out as much as possible, only come together when there's a significant threat instead of we're all working together for this one particular goal. It's more of on the right is leave me alone. I got my stuff to do. Speaking of earlier when we, when we brought up these glimmers of hope that are going on, one thing I really wanted to talk to you about and, and get your thoughts on was this, this meme war that's been going on, the CNN meme war that's been happening. Are, are you aware of that? Oh, how can I not be? Ah, the, great. Seeing, I'm on Facebook a lot, pretty much most of the day, well, from Monday through Friday, roughly, and uh, I cannot help but miss. It. I have, I actually, on, I have followed some of the more not radical, uh, the more infamous sides of the right, particularly uh, base stickman, because I want to keep an eye on that, and. Uh, 4chan has been ramping up the alt-right and all that has been ramping up significantly their propaganda and they the alt-lights 
as basic man's followers are referred to, and 4chan are like the exceptions to the rule for conservatives being less than proactive right. or traditionally reactive. What I noticed the most was that there actually is a concerted effort and a plan, and and people are all focused on funneling their energies into taking down CNN at the moment and and making them, you know, holding them responsible for the lies they're putting out, the fact that they're blackmailing this kid that created a meme. Now all of a sudden they are getting covered down like a freaking fire hose with memes all day long. I even created a couple myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's 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 great fun and it's I think what I enjoy about it the most is it's still talking. It's still just words. Um, it oh, hasn't yeah. escalated to the level of violence. And as long as we're still here, I can see that we are fighting a war. But it's not it's not anywhere near World War Two levels where millions are dying, <laughs> you know, in trenches. This is a yeah, different well, kind of different kind of war. The uh, several of my within the circle that I run in have referred to this as a cold civil war. So this is mainly being fought with propaganda and ideological stances rather than bullets. Yeah, and that's that's fine. I'm I'm perfectly okay. The tensions are high. Yes. Can we bring it back down? I I I believe so. And it's just a matter of okay, who who's in control of the propaganda? And right now. Seems like the mainstream networks are, even though they don't even have the largest audiences or the biggest followings at the, at the moment, they still tend to control the, uh, the politicians are, are very in tune and tied to what the, those networks say about them. So they're still behaving in such a way as to not offend certain news organizations. And as long as that's going on, I think, um, we're we're gonna continue to see this escalation, but if we can if we can bring down these stations like CNN and like all the other ones that are just propaganda wings for the elites, then I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe there's some hope there. Maybe there's some hope. The the way you described it kind of reminded me of excuse me. I think it was uh, the run the Russians invaded Afghanistan. The Russians run up, roll in there with their their special forces and their uh, advanced military might. And take several of the cities. They own the roads between the cities and all that during the day. Out in the outs outside of where the uh, the roads are, and the moment it becomes night, everything outside of the city becomes the Mujahideen's territory. They know the landscape. They know everything about the place, and they can outmaneuver, outplay, and outclass uh, the mighty Russian war machine. Because they grew up there, and they've hunted there, and they've lived there all their lives. And I think the, uh, the mainstream media are the cities in this scenario, and the internet, for whatever reason, outside of like Twitter and Facebook, is the ground around the cities at night for certain elements such as 4chan. Okay, so what do you think is causing all of, all of this this little war, this this meme wars and the propaganda battles and all, all that stuff going on back and forth? What do you what do you where do you think all that comes from? I think it comes from uh, a situation which I actually kind of took part in a small brush fire war online that happened 
2015-2016 or so on Facebook. That um, And it's flowed over to Twitter. I don't remember the exact time period, but I actually – during it, I worked with a few associates who had a few associates working on and motivating 4chan. Uh, if many people don't know this, but I am part of several firearms groups on Facebook, uh, ranging focusing primarily on uh, what's the what's the word? Quality training and personal responsibility when it comes to self-defense and use of firearms and right. other weapons. Uh, one of the groups I was added in, uh, one night, uh, as I was getting ready to go to bed, when I was still trying to get into bed before like 11 o'clock, now that's going totally out the window, uh, I receive a, for lack of a better term, a call to arms from the guy who added me into the group. Uh, previous to this, there was a large scare among the firearms community on Facebook, because Facebook, at least for Western countries such as the UK and America began cracking down on legal firearm sales on Facebook. Okay. So, so private sales between private individuals through FFLs, our federal firearms license dealers, trading their legal property back and forth. That was started to be like a no-go on Facebook. So anything involving that was being shut down and several of my groups almost died in the in the thing even though that they were not actually selling firearms but they were dealing with uh, the concepts and methodologies of firearms in such as law enforcement and military uh one of after that i dabbled a bit in miwi at that time during the what i called like the great internet wars uh af after that uh several leftists took upon themselves to organize and to remove firearms from Facebook at all. Just completely wipe out the, the subgenre within Facebook. And they coordinated among themselves uh, mass reporting attacks on various gun pages and groups dealing with uh, either from everything from just airsoft to legitimate gun training and gun discussion groups. So if it looked like a gun, if it sounded like a gun, if it was a Nerf gun, they and several hundred, maybe several thousand bogus accounts would go in and mass report the group, the post, everything about it in order to get Facebook to shut it down. Okay. And at this point, uh, several individual, well, one individual on Twitter uh, had a it wasn't a doxing uh, he took a pic he was part of the group that they were in I think he took like a screenshot of their membership list before they kind of closed the uh, made it an unpublic group mm -hmm. uh, to reveal which individuals were infiltrating these groups and mass reporting them he where did it go after that uh, you would actually see within the, the screenshots that he had of people bragging about how many pages they had gotten shot down. So like, notch in the belt, I got three to four of these got taken down in just an hour. Look how great I am. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I still, I was, 
I was a self-appointed uh, archivist of some of the information because I, you know, at that time, I really had no uh, far-reaching or any idea of who to contact with the information. Uh, one of the the guy who who kind of brought me in is like, we, we need to there there's something going down on Facebook. We are being we as a gun community are being attacked. They're shutting down. Is threatening both this group and like all the other groups that we're a part of because we're not doing anything. We're just talking about guns or talking about political ideas, and uh, we're pretty much being systematically stamped out on Facebook. So I'm going through just doing a quick Facebook search under the keyword gun training, and I'm I'm seeing a whole bunch of. Um, pages for this kind of thing just um i I'm, I'm assuming they've kind of come back up since then or they have so facebook After. facebook didn't have like an official um ban on anything gun related they were just taking these people's uh um, they were reporting the posts i guess or the groups and they were taking them down because of i mean why what was the reasoning or the justification for it why why were they saying uh, allowing it to happen the justification, at least on the the mass reporters' uh, ideology, was that they wanted to get like they saw. They, I think it was on the heels of several gun attacks that they wanted to uh, get guns because they viewed the the little object of a firearm to be the greatest opponent that they had at the time, and they wanted to get the uh, things on the tails of the the loophole with uh, that's in air quotes since you can't see that. The loophole of people being able to fi- buy firearms at whatever gun conventions or right. something, uh, saying that Facebook's people selling guns on Facebook was like black market. We're selling you this fully automatic uh, nuclear clipazine uh, machine gun, wink wink nudge nudge, so that you can go kill people. That was their rationale that we're going to stop the mass killings by for, by causing law-abiding citizens to stop selling their guns to each other. Now, I think it's interesting that you you think it's you, know, you said it started during this particular scuffle here, but um, I would argue that it's been going on way longer than that, and that this was just another manifestation. It was it was just another another skirmish that was taking place between you know, these left and right ideologies and this control over free speech and this control over. The narrative overall, I think this stuff's been going on for much, much longer than that. I don't, I don't know if anybody can necessarily point to the origins of it, but it does seem like you're right in that this, this is definitely something that is part of this overall battle. If anyone is a decent student of history, you can look back into both Nazi Germany, the the Bolsheviks, Russia, Cuba the political left with socialism and communism have always made a play for the armed citizen. Uh, I remember a story that popped up uh, a few years ago that I read. I haven't verified it yet, so this might just be me talking on my ass right now. But uh, the Bolsheviks were fighting the Mensheviks in Russia. There's a very small sectarian feud within the Russian political spectrum and among the Russian people in and of itself. And they told the, the average Russian, like, nomad or whatever they were at the time like hey you don't you don't weigh in on the side of our enemies you don't put your guns and your manpower behind them you don't attack us 
we'll leave you be. Everything is going to be fine. We'll have a classless society. Uh, unfortunately, the predominant of the Russian people believed the lie and didn't try to defend their country against this small radical group. Afterwards, they said, oh, hey, come register your firearms. Everything will be fine. It's for the good of the party. Those who actually fell for it, I believe, were unironically shot when they came to turn in their weapons or register their weapons for the, for the party. That sounds pleasant. It does, doesn't it? It seems like these this kind of left-right ideology battles back and forth, the, the guns versus no guns and stuff like that, it, it's, a, it, it's only been within a society where the power elites can't just directly come down and just take your weaponry from its citizens. You know, they can't just say, well, no, you, don't, <laughs> you don't own them. Plus, gun ownership obviously didn't happen until after guns were invented. So that was still still relatively new thing historically speaking, but I don't I don't necessarily think it's the left battling the right as much as it is the power elites manipulating the left into thinking that these firearms are dangerous and they they're able to the, the it's it's that that classic term the useful idiot uh, you know the the useful idiots aren't the ones that are going on to or the, or the uh, people in control and trying to steer this wild beast so to speak they're not the ones actually going into the groups and causing you guys the, these firearm groups to be banned or shut down it's the useful idiots that are going in and accepting all of the propaganda and saying yeah those things are dangerous we got to go in there and shut them down and they just do it because that's just in their nature that's <laughs> they, they they fall for it they buy it at wholesale and they just they they do what they were driven to do, I guess. They, they do what they were designed to do, is to go in and cause chaos among law-abiding firearms training you know, citizens. It's insane. Yeah, uh, I actually have a, a decent-ish example of, politically speaking, the, the left has a very imaginative interpretation of things, of uh, do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do kind of mentality. Right. Where the one situation may be completely okay for uh, a leftist to do, but if uh, a right-winger does it, uh, they're Satan incarnate. Uh, the, the example actually is in uh, biblical interpretation, school of interpretation, that happened around uh, AD 70. Uh, there was this one particular uh, Jewish individual who had a very uh, elastic system for interpreting the Bible in order to get his way politically uh, the, by the name of uh, Rabbi Akiba. And he and the, the guy he chose who said he was the, the guide, that he was the Messiah that was going to bring back uh, the nation of Israel as a power player. Uh, what, was it? what was the guy's name? Alright, I'm going to skip over that part. Anyway, he influenced this guy and he convinced everyone else that this guy was was the Messiah compared to what the Christians say of Jesus Christ and things like that. Happened after the time of Jesus. And they used that to motivate the people in addition to trying to re-seize the Temple of Jerusalem and to, um, to rebuild it to create this guerrilla movement within, within the Jewish people, particularly among the, the Pharisaical Pharisees. I mean, 
I realize you probably wouldn't understand that part because I'm getting really deep into the religion <laughs> head before. Like so some super technical shit right there. All right, super technical crap. Push that to the side. All right, so <laughs> there's there were some Jews who wanted a piece of land back because it was inherent to their beliefs, and they were fighting the Romans in a guerrilla warfare at the time. So much so, I think it was either three to six legions were sent in to calm, to pacify the area, in quotes, pretty much put down this rebellion. The fighting and the ideology used at the time was so fierce, I think at least one legion was completely destroyed because there was no record of it after the incident. Yeah. Oh, geez. And yeah. and and to have somebody try to interpret religious texts to try to manipulate the masses—never heard of such a thing. Tell me more <laughs> about how how people in control will manipulate people's beliefs to get them to do what they want. I've never never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, well, Trent, I've I've uh, I've I've learned a lot myself. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced the same or not, but I feel like uh, we're starting to get a little bit better handle on what's going on and where the actual problems are because um, I, I certainly don't think it's just as simple as saying the problem is between the left and the right um, well it's definitely ideology versus ideology and methodology versus methodology and people predominantly forget that so I think we need to look deeper into the things because ideologies cover all parts of life it's not just a political thing Right. But we characterize it as a political thing. Yeah, it's not It's not as simple as, as just surface-level politics, is it? All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I, I look forward to having another discussion. Maybe we'll, we will try it again in a few months here and uh, see how things have played out from the point of this show until the next. See if maybe a CNN's no longer with us, for example. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they'll the weather the storm. Yeah, I think so, too. Wow, was that not the best ideagasm you've ever had? Want to do it again? Go to unframeofmind.com to find more mind-stretching, world-altering podcasts, videos, and articles, and get those critical thinking juices flowing.